Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome to episode 19 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast, Affiliation Strategy Details. This will be an interview with Ryan Metzler of Stock Legal. Ryan Metzler is a general corporate counsel at Stock Legal out of St. Louis, a boutique law firm that we do a lot of work with and a lot of our clients know especially around the subject matters of associate equity. Ryan focuses on small and medium-sized businesses on matters involving their entire life cycle. And that can include entity formation, corporate governance, contracts, capital infusion, exit strategies, and other general business issues. He has his undergrad from the University of San Diego and got his JD from the Wake Forest University School of Law. Ryan is an unbelievable resource, and he is going to do a phenomenal job today sharing a lot of details around the subject matter that we opened the can of worms on, on episode 18, and that is affiliations. Judging from the response we got from that episode, you're going to want to get your pad and pen ready because this is surely a note-taking episode as Ryan takes us through a lot of the details. Get a cup of that great Mila coffee ready. That's right. You heard it again. No more Keurig here at Polaris. It's all German coffee from a German coffee maker. We're fully caffeinated, ready to rock and roll. We're on the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Here we go. Once again, thanks to everybody for joining me today on the podcast. This is Perrin Desports, and of course, I am your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. And as I said in the introduction, I'm joined today by Ryan Metzler. He is an attorney for the Stock Legal Firm out of St. Louis. Ryan, you want to say hello to our audience, everybody today? Uh, hello, all. Thanks for joining, and uh, Perrin, I very much appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure, believe me. We do a, a, a lot of work with Stock Legal and a lot of work with Ryan. He is a uh, real genius in the field and is, is very collaborative, and we certainly appreciate his time today. He's a busy guy, as you would well imagine, and he's one of the guys that really got DeWalker and I excited about this concept of affiliations. For those that listened to a prior podcast, we teed up um, our concept of affiliations. It's a very innovative growth strategy and one that we have not seen in the marketplace. And every bit as innovative as the strategy is, it is equally complicated and equally intricate. And that's what makes some of this stuff fun is that you got to kind of figure it out. That being said, we think it has tremendous upside for our target audience, which are those doctor-founded and debt-funded groups. So today, Ryan's on with me to talk um, at a higher degree of specificity, I'll say, around the details around affiliations, particularly from a legal perspective, 
um, without necessarily going excessively deep on on any uh, any subject matter. Obviously, these things are are very intricate, and we could probably do a much longer form podcast than what we have on hand for today. But I think Ryan will help um, solidify some of the concepts in the audience mind and give some details uh, to the things that, frankly, I'm not qualified to do. So. Ryan, on behalf of the audience and certainly myself and DeWalker, we do appreciate your time and, and efforts in being with us uh, here today. So let's take, um, let's start maybe with a little bit of a bigger picture. And why don't we talk about the concept or the term affiliation just from uh, maybe a legal perspective and sort of level set with the audience? Do you want to take that one a little bit from the top from your perspective? Absolutely. I, I think when we look at strategies for growth for dental practices, there's there's various paths, which I, I think you guys do a great uh, a job off, offering your, your clients and your audience. You can obviously, we see the formation of de novo or new practices. We see vertical acquisitions, right? Going out and acquiring the assets or the actual practice itself through, a, through direct acquisitions, what are called vertical acquisitions. Uh, this third path, what we're talking about today is our, our affiliations. Uh, and this is a growth strategy where it really allows the the practice that the doctors have built where they may, they can maintain ownership, but establish a, a formal relationship with with the DSO or the larger organization, whereby they pursue mutual essentially they pursue growth together. Um, and we'll I think we'll get into today about the the various ways they do that. But there's obviously a, a contractual relationship. Uh, for the provision of third-party services between the practice and the DSO, that that's the basis of it. But ultimately, they we we want to synergize the strategies with with an eventual exit together. I think where where the practice can realize can benefit from the size uh, and experience uh, of of the DSO, uh, and the DSO can of course benefit from adding another uh, you know great practice to to its group. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to tee it up, Ryan and. You know, we, um, our target audience, and, and most everybody who's probably listening to this podcast, is an entrepreneurial dentist who is in the process of building a group, loosely termed. And all too often, they're growing through acquisition. Um, but all too often, they think about acquisitions from what I'll call maybe a limited perspective. And, and that perspective is typically that they're looking for another practice to buy. And the seller is usually uh, either going to sell and walk away or is, or is going to, to transition out imminently. And that's fine. There's a, there are a number of practices like that. But I think for the context of our conversation today and really where affiliation is a, is a novel concept with a different target acquisition profile is one whereby you, uh, a, a, an entrepreneurial dentist who's the owner of a group um, establishes a collegial relationship with, some, with a, a dentist who's built a successful group practice on his own or her own. There may be mid-career. And that target uh, practice, the owner, frankly, doesn't necessarily want to sell. They don't have to sell. They're enjoying the benefits of having built a successful practice in and of themselves but they're also curious and interested in the potential upside of everything that's happening within the dental space um, uh, in its entirety. And specifically, I'm talking about efficiencies and in a, a premium, if you will, around valuation to be part of a group that's larger than the single practice they presently own. So I, I think the 
the tar- if we start with the target practice, maybe let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into that that solo practice owner and and maybe their their mindset, their perspective. Do you want to do you want to yeah. wax a little bit on that? Yeah, I think I think you said it great. I, I, there's got to be nat- there's got to be natural synergies between the two entities where there's just mutual opportunity for growth. So a lot of times the the, the DSO size is going to be an advantage for the practice in terms of contractual relationships with vendors and suppliers. Um, obviously, their their network uh, ability to hire uh, both talented uh, administrative and dental hygienist staff, and of course, hi- you know, to helping maybe that. Uh, the practice itself grow uh, through the hiring of additional doctors. I think the DSO has an, will have a natural advantage there. Um, and of course, taking away some of the headaches of, of running a dental practice, whether that be uh, HR issues, uh, accounting issues, legal items like that. So I think that's really the, again, I think you identified the, the, the target perfectly. It's, I don't think it's a struggling practice per se, but I think it's one that has maximized its opportunities in its space. Um, and is looking for an avenue to to uh, an additional avenue for growth. If that makes sense, Karen. Yeah, I, I think the the idea or the concept of helping that solo practice owner unlock more value in his or her business is really key here because an affiliation at its core is is almost more like a collaboration than it is an acquisition. If you it, think it, about it, it, yeah, and it, it has to be because it, it's not that. We're just trying to provide the DSO is trying to provide the services for profit, but it's a true partnership. You know, even though that even though the, the DSO is not coming in and, and taking over, you know, direct ownership of the practice, but it's got to be a, it absolutely has to be a collaboration where they come in and say, you know, have you considered X, Y, and Z? Uh, you know, uh, how about this? Uh, you know, software this could expand it. You know, your access here. So I, I do think it's a it's an absolute two way street, and there's got to be that appetite. Uh, not necessarily for change, right? But but the appetite for creativity and growth on both sides. Yeah, and and I think the the target practice owner, that solo practice owner, is is probably. I mean, they may have an associate in with them, so they don't necessarily have to be just a solo operator. But you know, they've built a successful practice. They've taken it as far as they can go. They're making good income. They're happy with their quality of life. Um, but they they're kind of in that mid-career phase where, you know, while they have a, a, a certainly a high degree of success, it's also a little bit like Groundhog Day, like they've taken it as far as they can and, and, and what's the next step. And maybe that, that person is slightly more risk averse from a desire to um, build another location or buy another location and, and personally guarantee the debt and, and everything that comes along with that. I mean, there is a degree of risk in terms of expansion. And maybe they, they want to participate in something at a higher level, but they don't want to, to stretch themselves, obligate their family, or overextend themselves uh, in order to do that. They're looking for a way to participate in the upside. And that's, that's where the affiliation concept really starts to take root. So, you know, I I think, Ryan, let's talk about now that we kind of slice and dice the 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 affiliate target, if you will. Let's take a step back and talk about the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial dentist who's building a group and what they've built up to this point, because I think there's a for affiliations to work for all parties, there is a high 
degree of execution that has to take place at, a, at multiple levels. So let's, let's talk about that, the group practice, or, or we can call it a DSO if you want. Let's talk about what some of that looks like from an execution of, of services standpoint. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's ultimately the D. I mean, as you said, we got to have a synergy on both sides for for growth. But it's really the DSO's job to come in and say, okay, you know, ha- have you, have you thought about doing this? You know, okay, here here's how you're managing your patients, or here's how your hours are structured, or let's take a look at your compensation model. And these are all these are all items that are open for you know uh, for potential uh, increase of revenues. Um, and and so it's really the DSO's job to to come in and say, hey, these are these are the five ways we can we can see you through growth. Maybe it is hiring additional key people, right? Maybe it's we're just going to cut. We're going to just we're going to uh, we're going to give you the ability to cut uh, the cost of goods and services. Uh, and then it's then it's really between the two parties to kind of come together and say, okay, h- how do we accomplish those goals? Yeah, we're going to have a services agreement between the DSO and the practice, which is going to outline the services that the DSO is going to provide to free up some bandwidth for the practice to grow. But ultimately, it's going to be adoption of those strategies uh, and kind of an agreement on the goals where you're really going to see success with this strategy. And one other thing I, I want to say, apparently, you made a really good point about, about kind of these entrepreneurial practices, um, where, where I think there's some natural hesitancy to enter into these affiliation relationships. If it's, hey, I don't want to give up what, I, what I've built. And I think that's one of the, the, the benefits of this strategy is that the doctors get to keep really, and we can talk about this a little later and how we legally set these up, but the doctors get to keep 100% of what they built right from day one. All the DSO is looking to capitalize is, is sharing the growth that both parties work together to achieve. So there's a little less risk in saying, hey, you, you, I spent the last 15 years building this practice. Well, that, that 100% belongs to you. Um, and, and really where the affiliation is going to come in with the DSO is we're going to grow it together and then share in the benefits of that growth from, from the moment we start working together. That, that's a really great point. And I'm glad you brought it up because I, I did not even touch on that. And if you, if you rewind the tape um, to, to where we're talking about that solo practice owner's mindset, um, they more than likely that person who's built a successful business who is mid-career, call it 40-something or whatever the age is, they would view a sale as some level of waving the white flag, right. you know, a surrender, a capitulation. And, and, that, and there's a point of pride there that they don't want to do that. So how can the, the group practice or DSO, as we're calling it here, um, create a value proposition that helps that target practice owner maintain their level of pride in in terms of what they built up to this point, but also give them some additional upside that they have not been able to create on their own. And I think that's, that is really the key to, to making the one plus one equal three equation come, come to light. Now I will, I'll go, I'll, I'll, um, accentuate a, a point that you made about, in this case, we'll call it the DSO, the group uh, practice that has uh, some ability to drive revenue, some ability to curtail costs, some uh, ability to recruit, some ability to increase efficiencies. We know all of those things um, are immensely beneficial in a group practice, and they unlock a lot of synergies that create an impact on valuation. That's why all of our target audience is doing what they're doing. That being said, if you, do, if you are a group practice owner 
and you like to talk about everything I just said, that's all fine and good. But nobody is going to affiliate with your group until you have proof of concept and proof of delivery. So when we talk about revenue generation, well, how would you as a group practice owner solve that for a solo practice owner who's a potential affiliate? What are the things that you do to help drive revenues? What are the things that you do that help curtail costs? And what are the things that you do to help increase efficiencies and ultimately unlock valuation? And how can you point to those things quantifiably so that the affiliate candidate believes in them and wants to affiliate with you? That, that concept, that execution in terms of delivery of services is of paramount importance because if you can't execute on it, you don't unlock any additional value for the target practice and you don't unlock any additional value for yourself. And that, that really is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I think it's important to, to really have a, high, have a keen eye on execution at that level. And, and Perrin, I think you made a good point there. There's really no value in it for the DSO if they don't execute on those talking points, right? Because ultimately, the, the DSO or the, the group right that's coming in is not interested in taking on this workload because it really is. It's not just entering into a contractual relationship and saying, hey, pay us, pay us our monthly management fee, Right. But it's, it's, it's truly like rolling up their sleeves and helping the practice grow. Uh, and if they don't execute upon that, right, there's no, the, the, there's no end result, which, of course, is bundling the affiliations together, right, and, 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 and re- ex- realizing, a, a, you know, down the road, realizing a, a higher return on, on, on the sale exit. That's, that's a good transition point there, Ryan. And so let's, let's talk about this. Um, and let me, maybe, let me maybe preface this by saying that you I guess in theory, everything we're about to unpack from a, a tactical level or granular level, uh, you could build a group that was built to operate. But I think the real impact of affiliations is a growth strategy with an exit intention at some point. Um, and and we'll kind of give credence to some of that in, in just a few minutes here. But why don't we start out um, in terms of this concept of ownership and, sure. and, and what a, affiliate means and like who owns the practice, the target practice and, and what does that look like? Because as we said, this isn't necessarily a sale, it's right. an affiliation. So what does that mean? So I think that's important. We, at the beginning, we talked about kind of the three different, hey, uh, 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 targets for growth, right? Opening to Novo, making a vertical acquisition, or earning to affiliation. With respect to an affiliation, I think it needs to be very clear. You're not selling your practice. The doctor, the doctor, the entrepreneurial doctor or doctors, right, of, of the target practice will continue to, main, uh, to own 100% of the membership interest or shares, depending on how the entity is set up, of the practice. So to be, to be clear, the affiliation comes through both the services agreement that's going to be in place between the DSO and the practice um, and the adoption of ultimately, and this gets a little complicated, but the adoption of the DSO's um, uh, structure. So, you know, there does need to be some synergies about how we employ doctors, you know, how, how our tax returns are run, stuff like that. But so they're, they're kind of the synergy comes in two places, but I do think it, want, it needs to be clear that you retain the ownership interest in the equity in your practice. Great, great. So, so that is significantly different than a concept that 
probably most of our audience is familiar with and something that we've talked about from an M&A perspective on prior podcasts, which is a sale with something called an equity role. Okay. A sale with an equity role is that if, if you are in this case, the seller, you know, you, you sell the business, you pocket 60% of it in cash and you roll 40% in equity into the, the parent company, the new entity or something like that. You go along for the ride for something called a second bite of the apple. We've talked about that ad nauseum and affiliations are not that. No. Okay. One of the beauties of this concept is that the group practice or DSO that has that backend management company and the efficient delivery of services and everything else gets to enter into an affiliation with that target practice. And they do not, the group practice does not take on any additional debt to do it. So the, the target practice is maintained to echo Ryan's point at a hundred percent ownership level of the, the, the owner or owners of that target practice. And it does not require any additional debt on behalf of the DSO to enter into that affiliation. So if there's no debt taken on by the group, and if the affiliate uh, target practice is still owned 100% by the the current owner, then how is any value created? And, And the answer to that is through something called profits interest units that we've broached the subject on from an associate equity standpoint. And now we're going to talk about it from a growth strategy standpoint. So Ryan, I'll yield the mic to you. Let her rip, buddy. Well, I will do my best to not put everybody to sleep by going down (laughs) of describing what profit interests are. But profit interest is a form of equity, but it's, I think it's kind of similar to what we've been talking about. It's growth equity. So the the doctors themselves retain a hundred. So if I own a, a PLLC as, as a doctor, I'm going to retain 100% of the uh, membership interest or the LLC interest in that entity. But in, in connection with entering into an affiliation with the DSO, I'm going to grant the DSO uh, somewhere around a 50% profit interest, right? And there's some flexibility that the percentages, but generally the market is about 50%. So what that me- what that means is, I'm going to use a wonky term here, but there's something called a distribution threshold with a profit interest. All distribution threshold means is what is the value of my practice the day you granted me the profit interest? So this kind of goes back to what I said, Perrin, that you get to keep 100, but the doc, the entrepreneur gets to keep 100% of the value of what they've grown to the date we start our partnership. Then we're going to grant a profit interest, which means we are now you know, interlocked, holding hands, moving forward together, where we where we at we get to share in everything above the distribution threshold or the value of the company, the value of the practice when we started. Was that was that a little too wonky, or do you think that 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 uh, that makes some sense? No, no, I I think it's uh I think it's it's accurate. Um, the things that I would echo maybe from a different perspective, uh, and just to kind of add some slight numbers to this because I know numbers are hard to follow on a podcast. So I try not to do it that often. But you know, for the for the target practice, the affiliate practice, the solo practice here, let's say that practice is valued at a million dollars. Um and and it's you know it's stagnated essentially. There's there's not a lot of growth going on there. It's going to be a million dollars today. It's going to be a million dollars five years from now, hopefully, if nothing else changes. But that's where it is. The value proposition is that group practice or DSO 
that offers the affiliation opportunity to unlock greater value. The value proposition to the target solo owner is that that first million dollars they've created is a million dollars in and of themselves that they are entitled to. The additional valuation above a million dollars is that split, something like 50-50, like Ryan said. And so 50% of every additional dollar accrues to the solo practice owner, and 50% of every additional dollar accrues to the DSO owner. So if the DSO owner is really worth their salt and can execute on the value proposition and can unlock an additional valuation of a million dollars above the first million dollars, then the, the, the solo practice owner in that case has their first million that they created on their own and 50% of the additional million or 500,000. Now they've got a practice that they get a total equity payout of one and a half million on and the DSO owner gets a, a 500,000 or half a million dollar payout on that practice for the value of the services, services that they brought to the table. And I'd so like to add, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Go for it. Karen, I'd like to add one more. So not only does the does the target group, right, or the, the solo practitioner get the, the get the increased value that they otherwise maybe have stagnated growth on, right? So that half million that you just described, but uh, but upon the eventual exit together of the DSO, they're also going to get to the value of the size of the DSO, which, as we all know, right, the more practices we have, the larger our company is, the higher EBITDA multiple we're going to get upon an exit. So really, there's there's a one-two punch here for for the practitioner. They not only get the 50% of the upside and the growth that they may not have had the ability to unlock, but then they're, they're going to get that higher valuation multiplied by a higher EBITDA upon the long-term exit, whenever that may be. Ah, so this is the concept that DeWalker loves to talk about called arbitrage. And our audience has, has heard this word thrown around a handful of times by us and probably a lot of other people in the industry. But the concept is our audience knows that a a solo practice is typically going to value between a three to five times EBITDA multiple, right? That's kind of the, the market rate, if you will. Well, a group practice is hopefully going to value a lot higher than that, six times, eight times, 10 times, depending on how big you can get it. So the, the real impact of that's in, in one of the value propositions to the solo practice owner is that they get to participate in the upside of the EBITDA multiple created by the group upon exit. And that's why I said, I really believe that this is the right strategy for a, for a grow and, and exit intention versus a, a grow and operate type of intention. The real unlocking of value around the arbitrage from a three to five X at a practice level to something that could be eight to 10 or more times at a DSO level is of tremendous value. And it's the compelling reason to get a target practice, solo practice, to move off of the complacency of having a successful business right here, right now, today. They'll never be able to participate in something at those levels without either a sale or something like an affiliation. Yep. So I... It's not predicated on an exit, but it, it really unlocks the vast majority of the, the, uh, the, the valuation upon exit. There are also distributions along the way. We don't need to go into to that at too great of a level, but you know, profit distributions after debt service and everything at, a, um, uh, sure. at an annual rate. 
Um, let's talk a little bit, uh, at maybe a little bit more intricate level now on like some of those contractual arrangements um, yeah. uh, that need to take place to make this thing stick. You want to take that one from the top? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we, we just kind of talked about the carrot, right? Which is, Hey, the, the, what the ultimate payout, right. Is getting to realize the benefit of the size, right. Of the DSO upon an eventual exit. And I do want to be clear. I think what you said earlier is important. This is not, when we talk about exit, you're not talking about doing an affiliation and exiting in six months, right? We're talking about a long-term and every, and every parent or DSO is different, right. With their strategy, but we're talking about a long-term partnership where we grow and practice for a while, build the organizational out, and then exit. But we, do, but I, I do think the benefit in this, as you described, uh, is that is that arbitrage of that that higher even a multiple. So if the higher even a multiple right is the ultimate reward, what do we have to do to achieve that? Right. Well, somebody coming in and looking at our DSO is not if, if we see a bunch of uh, loosely affiliated practices, right? That don't have similar corporate structures. They don't employ their doctors the same way. The restricted covenants aren't set up the same way with their doctors, right? They're just basically have this, but they just have a contract in place for some minimal third-party services. Well, we're not necessarily gonna get the valuation we're looking for because that the, 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 the potential uh, buyer needs to see that we are in fact one organization, right? Rowing in the same direction. So the the stick, so to be it, is we do have to kind of uniformly adopt, right, a similar set of organizational documents, a similar accounting structure. Uh, I, I really, the employment agreements with the doctors are, are are a key factor in driving that, right? We want everybody kind of locked up the same way. So I realize I'm getting a little specific here, uh, Perrin, but that I, I think that is the work, if we're to be honest, right, uh, in entering this affiliation is is we need to review the existing legal structure and potentially make some changes at the, at the practice level uh, and we'll have them adopt, uh, you know, maybe a new employment agreement or a new accounting structure, something like that. Yeah. So uh, it's an excellent point. And, and I'm going to try to um, reverberate a, a lot of what you said here, uh, because I think this is, this is again, where the rubber meets the road after the execution in terms of delivery of services that I mentioned before. So let's face it. Anybody who's in this world that we operate knows that change and change management is hard. That's one of the, the the aspects of acquisitions that people tend to discount, and they learn their lesson pretty quickly that that change management comes with a price. So, what Ryan's opened up with and said that this is not a six month type of an endeavor. It has a longer lifespan to it to be uh, beneficial is, is the first thing that our audience needs to take away. This is not a quick flip solution. Y'all have heard us talk about things called a duct tape DSO. Like we're going to throw a lasso around a bunch of practices, take them all to market and cash a huge check. And we all know that doesn't work. And this is not that. So if your intention is to exit in six months, stop listening. On the other hand, if your intention is to, to build a larger business over maybe a two to five year time frame and really execute on this, this can be something immensely beneficial, but it does come with some level of change management on behalf of the affiliate. So changing accounting systems, adopting the appropriate legal structures and agreements, making sure that that is all buttoned up and is accurate and that there are things in place that that make this look like a truly uh, one operating entity versus uh, hundreds or thousands of, of different entities is critically important because whoever the buyer is, 
is going to offer a premium on valuation or discount the valuation based on the amount of change management that they have to do after the business is acquired. So if you're able to get that done through the affiliation relationship and with the right law firm like Stock Legal and certainly Ryan Metzler here, then your your chances of pulling this off successfully are much greater than if you think you're just going to slap some lipstick on a pig and take it to market because we all know that doesn't work. Well, I appreciate that quick plug there, Perrin. And I can give you a couple examples of where, without getting too down the rabbit hole of, of where some change is sometimes needed. Uh, so a lot of times, right, we, we see the, we can talk about entity formation, right? And it's very common, right, with practices to be set up as both professional corporations and professional limited liability companies. But let's say we've got somebody who set, set themselves up maybe 25 years ago. Maybe you acquired, you're an entrepreneur doctor, but you acquired the practice from another doctor and it, and it set up not, you know, it's set up as a, a general corporation, right? Well, then all of a sudden that structure may not work in terms of equity and what we need to do with an operating agreement. So we may, may need to make a change to an entity organization. Another example is if uh, maybe we have a, uh, a practice with a couple of uh, maybe three or four doctors. Uh, and they've offered some equity to those doctors. Well, we need to make sure an operating agreement is in place that speaks to that equity. Now, we don't necessarily have to go in and change what has been awarded, but with respect to rights around that equity, stuff called drag-along rights upon a sale, we need to make sure that we can move everybody with us when we go to exit. So we have to maybe universally amend and restate and have them adopt our form operating agreement that speaks to the rights of the equity holders at the practice level. So there's just a couple of examples without, I realize I just touched on a bunch of topics, but those are just a couple of examples of, of items that may need to be uh, you know, uh, polished or, or revised upon uh, this, you know, when, they, when you do take on this affiliation relationship. Yeah, great, great high level overview there. And, and we're going to try to keep those aspects at a high level. We could go, uh, you know, deeper into asset where assets and debts reside and all that. And I, I, there's a lot to this. I think our audience needs to take away that this is a, a, a concept that uh, is worthy of consideration um, uh, given a lot of different circumstances, but there is a, a high degree of detail around execution of services that would be like DSO level services that, that the um, entrepreneurial dentist has to get straight. But they also have to work with um, legal counsel that knows what the heck they're doing because there there's a lot of intricacy uh, at multiple levels here. And I think you did a really great job of, of you know, casting that without going into the weeds on any of it. So that that's tremendous. Um, it, Ryan, any other concluding thoughts before we wrap it up today? This has really been a tour de force. I got to be honest with you. Um, and not at all. Just it, it's an exciting, it, it's an absolutely exciting and intriguing opportunity for growth. Um, I, I would stress that it it definitely requires commitment from both sides. I love what you said there, duct tape DSO. I got to start using that in my conversations. I'm going to steal that from you. Uh, but it's definitely a, a you know a strategy worthy investigation, but. Um, that, that also, you know, requires a commitment from both the DSO, a, a true partnership, I think, from both the DSO and the, and the, and the target. Very well said. We'll, we'll leave it at a high level there. Ryan, you've been fantastic, and I, I appreciate it. DeWalker appreciates it, and I know our, our audience appreciates it. I will link uh, to your contact information um, and stock legal in the show notes. And suffice to say, anybody that uh, reaches out to me, I'd be happy to to connect them to you. You've been a, a huge resource to us. And I, I know this won't be the last time we have you on the podcast at all. 
you're a wealth of information and, and we really appreciate it. So thanks for joining me today. Well, Perrin, I appreciate you having me. Thanks much. You got it. So I hope everybody has found that to be really educational and informative. Um, and, and hopefully you'll also uh, be interested in possibly applying it to your overall growth strategy. Feel free to send me questions or comments along the way. I'm happy to read them uh, back on an upcoming episode or happy to respond to them uh, uh, via email. You know you can reach me at perrin at polarishealthcarepartners.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Once again, sincere thanks to Ryan Metzler of the Stock Legal Firm in St. Louis for joining me on the podcast today. He is a wealth of information, and I think you can pick up pretty quickly why we refer clients uh, to Ryan and Sarah and the people at Stock. He is class A and really provides a, a lot of detail and um, frankly does it in a great uh, customer service friendly type of a way. So sincere thanks to Ryan and all the team there for their support. Uh, and being on the show today. Before we wrap things up, I wanted to refresh uh, two more things very quickly. One is a press release that hopefully you've all seen by now about a new addition to the Polaris team. A young man by the name of Kyle Webster joined our team about a week ago, and he is going to be working in our data and analytics side of the business. You all know that we do a tremendous amount uh, with analytical insights, data gathering. Uh, we're a very data-oriented and analytics-heavy type of a firm. Uh, and that division in our company really plays a mission-critical role. I think Kyle is going to be a wonderful addition to our team. He comes to us from a banking background uh, as a commercial credit analyst from uh, Bank of America, where he went through a number of training programs, including training the street amongst many others, but had a, a good bit of responsibility in a pretty short period of time there. And I think he's going to be a great cultural fit and obviously a, a great fit as it relates to uh, detail. The other thing about Kyle is that he is a former, I guess you could say, amateur weightlifting champion. Um, yes, that's right. If you uh, don't trust the data that we put in front of you, we will send Kyle to kick your something like that. And anyway, I don't want to get an explicit rating or anything on the podcast, but suffice to say, Kyle has a, a unique background, very disciplined individual, great story. Um, and I really think he's going to be a wonderful addition to the team. So I wanted to take a second on the podcast and, and welcome him um, to the team. And I look forward to all of you in the audience getting to know him and meet him at some point in the not too distant future. The second thing I'm going to tease right now, but you will hear more about this and you'll see more about this um, over probably the next week or so, is that the affiliations announcement and the podcast that we have done uh, has, has really generated a lot of interest uh, and a lot of response, which is wonderful to see. And DeWalker and I are going to be pulling together um, a small working group session. Um, and it looks like the dates are going to be November 4th and 5th, uh, about six weeks away. It's going to be here in Charlotte. We're going to call it mergers, acquisitions, and affiliations. We're going to go through the value of equity. We're going to go through the role of debt. We're going to talk through um, how to pursue an acquisition-based strategy with things like an equity role. We're going to talk about mergers, partnership mergers, and cap table mergers. 
what that means uh, if you were to merge a smaller group into your existing group, just as an example. Uh, and then obviously we're going to slice and dice affiliations at a much more thorough level in terms of the mechanics behind all of this uh, in an effort to create more equity on balance sheet. And that's a theme that we're going to uh, that you're going to hear on a familiar refrain uh, for many weeks to come now. So you'll uh, you'll all be getting more details about that session on November fourth and fifth. Um, we're probably going to limit it to about ten people uh, because we want it to be a working group style of an event, not a not a pinnacle seminar, if you will. So it will be very very limited capacity. If you are interested in possibly uh, attending that. Um, feel free to drop me an email at perrin at polarishealthcarepartners.com. I'd be happy to send you a little bit more information and make sure that you're aware of it uh, as we roll out the details. We certainly expect that event to, um, uh, to sell out relatively quickly based on the limited format that it'll be. But it will be two full days, probably flying into Charlotte on uh, Wednesday the 3rd and flying out on the afternoon of Friday the 5th. So uh, we hope that you can join us for that or at one of our upcoming sessions um, in 2022. And there'll be more information coming about coming out about those uh, in the coming weeks for sure as well. So thanks very much once again um, for joining me on the show today. Um, I, again, really hope that you are getting a lot of content out of these uh, podcasts and that you find it uh, useful um, and to a degree, a lot of fun. And um, we have fun hosting them, and, and we want to make sure that the information is worthy of your time. And I would also ask you, if you do get a lot of that out of the podcast, uh, to please feel free to leave us a, a rating on the shows as well as a comment. Uh, we got several comments in recently and a lot of five-star ratings. And one of the comments comes from a gentleman named Dr. Peter Bolden, who says, two of the most knowledgeable guys in the space. And that is uh, great to hear from Pete because <laughs> I, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that that's the uh, Dr. Peter Bolden, who is the co-host of the Bulletproof podcast. And I'm sure that there are a lot of you out there that listen to Bulletproof in, in addition to uh, the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Pete and Craig do a tremendous job on that show. I've appeared on it uh, in a prior life, uh, and they're great guys to boot. I really appreciate Pete dropping us a rating and a comment. That means the world. So thank you uh, very much from the bottom of my heart to Pete and everybody else who's left us um, a rating up, up to this point. Um, please, if you haven't done so, do so. It helps us uh, in all the show rankings and everything else. And as I said before, if you've got questions, feel free to submit them directly to me at Karen at PolarisHealthCarePartners.com. Maybe I'll read and answer them in an upcoming episode. And of course, if you want to find out more about who, I, who we are and what all we do, you can check out our website at www.polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.